inspired by the Canadian Federation of the Blind. Outlook, a show about accessibility, advocacy, and equality. I'm Brian. And I'm Carrie. And we're two siblings who happen to be blind. Outlook. Radio Western. Finish each day and be done with it. You have done what you could. Some blunders and absolutes, no doubt, crept in. Forget them as soon as you can. Tomorrow is a new day. You shall begin it serenely and with too high a spirit to be encumbered with your old nonsense. Ralph Waldo Emerson. There you go, Brian. What do you think of that quote? Wow, that's a nice way to kick off the week here. <laughs> Welcome to Outlook this morning on Radio Western. Thanks for tuning in. Middle of June, we find ourselves in. And yeah, I thought I'd start the show with a quote from Ralph uh, because, uh, you know, things that happen in, our, in, in, in a day that, uh, you know, you, Brian and I will often get stuck on certain things. So it's good to have that outlook, I guess. Yeah, well, it's something I say a lot about, uh, like stuff like meditation and things that I don't know too much about it's not something I've gotten into fully but I yeah. there's a few little um, medica- uh, medication geez we're sw- thinking about all sorts of things we're going to get a little bit into the uh, organ transplant stuff again this week yeah. as we had our chronic illness talk. father on last week so I used to have medication on the mind I also take medication twice a day for my uh, kidney disease and everything yeah. but um, meditation meditation yeah so that's a, that's something I, uh, I I do a little bit of and I think one of the one of the things I try and always stick to is, and I mentioned this on the Heather Hutchison episode from a couple of weeks ago, a uh, guest that we had on, about that. Generally, if if I'm stressed about something or something's bugging me, I kind of think, you know, in a week from now or even even in a few days from now, is this thing going to be bothering me or is it going to be on my mind like it is now? And in most cases, the answer is no. So I think mm-hmm. that is all the idea that you know, sometimes we just have a bad day, and I think sometimes part of that is accepting it in the day and being like, yeah, I'm just not in the best mood today. And you can, you can try this, you know, the positive attitude and all this, but sometimes you're just not feeling it. And I think don't fight it. Yeah. Sometimes you just need that day to kind of be, you know, experience those feelings or or go through that, the time and then wake up the next morning refreshed and and start anew. And I don't know, that's, I think that kind of uh, worked well after my weekend here. Cause yeah, that's what I thought. I hoped you'd get my message. I read it because I hadn't shared that quote with you before the show. No, I like that. I think we did a mixed bag. Was that our last mixed bag? I was going to say, actually, we haven't done a mixed bag in quite a while. It was back in April on, I think April 11th was our last one. So over a couple of months ago now. Yeah, we we try to do them once a month. uh, And then we have guests a lot of the other time or, you know, specific topics on Outlook and, but mixed bag, you know, as I was saying before the show can be a bit of a scattered thing. That's the point. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot of topics we could talk about, which we'll see how many we get to this hour. But. Yeah, but that's why I also like these mixed bags occasionally, because it gives us a chance to just take it easy a bit more and relax and just have a more of a casual show. Catching up on things. Yes, we definitely do have one more guest coming up this month that we're looking forward to. And we hope to have another one next week that we still need to look into. But it's kind of nice sometimes, care to just do the kind of like we started the show where we had a few guests in studio. But for the most part, it was just the two of us. So, yeah, look, didn't start out being guests oriented, but I just thought Outlook, I, I wanted it to be about not just my Outlook and your Outlook. So I like the mix of both, but we call these Mixed Bag Mondays. 
Yeah, absolutely. So we didn't get to do a May mixed bag Monday, which <laughs> I always, I love my alliteration. So when there's all those M's, I like that. But June mixed bag Monday still. You also love your numbers. I, did I see in your notes that you wrote down what number the show is? Yeah, I know with my, the music show I host on Fridays here, Chin Music, I always number the shows at the beginning of the show. And I don't know why. I never I didn't yeah. do that from the very beginning, but. No. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of like to keep track of which episode, how many episodes I've done. Yeah. So for Outlook here. Yeah, I did make a marker. I haven't mentioned it in a, in a while, I don't think, that this is episode 162 today. So we're getting closer and closer to 200 shows. It's still going to be close to a year before we hit that, but, but <laughs> yeah. we're getting there. Well, so. I was talking to a person about the show last week who's been listening uh, and just about how many episodes there are. She was just like, yeah, I haven't heard. She kind of felt like justified that she hasn't heard all of them. I'm like, well, I, I understand. <laughs> well, that's the point of a podcast. You know, there's a lot of... Yeah, listen to when you can. Podcasts that I f found out about that have already been, you know, maybe had a, at least 100 episodes in, like yeah. like AT Banter, that one that we, we had the all the uh, folks involved in that podcast on a few weeks ago, a podcast from, out from BC. And, uh, you know, when I discovered that show, they'd already had, they started before us and they had over 100 shows before I'd even heard of them. So, you know, obviously I haven't went back and heard all of those yet. So it's no. the point though, right? They're always out there and you can listen whenever you do get a chance. And uh, yeah. yeah, I guess I was just saying that I think I liked how you brought that quote in without without running it by me first. Because I feel like, I don't know if it was our last mixed bag or the one before where we were actually together before the show, you stayed over. So we actually planned it more yeah. together. Whereas oftentimes with these mixed bags, you come in from, from Woodstock, from out I of town. I show up with my notes, you show up with your notes and sometimes they come together and sometimes yeah. they just... I mean, we discuss a little bit over text in advance and stuff, but we don't always plan as much as we did that one month. But uh, anyway, it's nice to be back. <laughs> back here in, uh, in the middle of June. Pretty nice day outside and good to be back in the studio. But uh, I have some interesting things to talk about. I don't know, Kara, I feel like I've been kind of talking a lot off the top here. Want me, to, want me to brag about my creatinine? Yeah, maybe talk. Let, let's yeah, talk a little bit about last week's show and, yeah. and the themes around that show and how that ties into your creatinine, which a lot of people probably might not even know what that is. And yeah. Talk about that first, and then we'll talk about my uh, my un, unexpected experience on Friday after my music show. Yeah. So you have, to be, you have to wait to hear about that one. But uh, Well, I mean... I have several scars from uh, being on dialysis and having a kidney transplant. So yours, you just have a new scar to add to your collection. But we'll get to that in a few yeah. minutes here. Yeah, so last week we had a special edition of Outlook. Uh, it wasn't live in studio, but we interviewed our father. Uh, June being Father's Day month. I believe it's this coming weekend Yeah, now, it's this or? coming Sunday, Father's Day. Sunday, yeah. So, you know, we know that's a touchy subject to a lot of people. If your father is no longer um, alive or you don't have the best relationship, maybe you're a father and, you know, I'm sure it's, I'm not a father myself, obviously, so I'm sure there's complications there. But um, we wanted to talk to our father um, specifically about our a kidney transplant, which I had in 1997, and he donated his kidney to me. So it's 25 years, and that was June 5th was that anniversary. And creatinine is, um, it's always been the level that we've been told about yeah, I just, uh, from the actually, very beginning. I just actually looked it up if, if you want an official definition. Wow. you're quick. <laughs> Trying to do some research on the air here. Yeah, nice. Um, so creatinine, which I was always curious, like how, like, <laughs> it's just such an interesting word. Yeah. So it appears to be spelled C-R-E-A-T-I-N-I-N-E. -I -I -E. Yeah. Well, so there's that, also something called creatine, creatine, which is 
when, when people work out. Yeah, it's for the, like bodybuilding, I think, yeah. and stuff. And that actually is supposed to be really bad with our with our anti-rejection meds, the meds that we take. So yeah, that, Brian, you don't become a bodybuilder without consulting your doctor. Yeah, it's like a lot of things, right? Any any new medications or anything like that, we always do have to check with with our kidney specialists to, to make sure that they are okay with the, the other meds that we're on because, you know, certain meds interact with others and can cause issues or cause our anti-rejection meds not to work as, as efficiently. So yeah. something we always have to think about. But yeah, so this creatinine, we remember this from, you know, since we were kids because we've both we were diagnosed um, in our early teen years or yep. around that time as we hit puberty. You know, a, bit, a bit before puberty in a way, I guess for me anyway. Um but yeah, so the creatinine test, according to official definition here, is a measure of how well your kidneys are performing their job of filtering waste from your blood. Creatinine is a chemical compound left over from energy-producing processes in your muscles. Healthy kidney- kidneys filter creatinine out of the blood. And creatinine exists, or creatinine exits your body as a waste product in urine. Mm-hmm. So very, very technical definition, but also I think you can kind of get the gist of, of what it is there. So pretty much, yeah, how well your kidneys are filtering waste from, from your body. So yeah, when we, when we have kidney failure and our kidneys aren't working and we have to be on dialysis and wait for, it, for a new transplant, the dialysis helps filter that, that, uh, the waste out of uh, our bodies, but it's still not, uh, not as efficient it's a, it's as a, a stopgap measure, yeah. As a working kidney. So anyway, just, yeah, a little bit of background there, but. Yeah, again, last week we had our father on, as you as you just mentioned, and uh, really uh, interesting episode to, to have him on to really talk about this stuff. But yeah, you just had a recent test, care because you're 25 years ago now, just over 25 years ago, back on June the 5th was your anniversary for your for your uh, kidney transplant. And yeah, you just had routine blood work, I guess, recently? Yep. So I get nervous around this time of year every year, but specifically hitting this 25-year mark, uh, it feels like it's something, not this is not exactly that I've achieved, but, you know, I've gotten this far with it. And so there's this pressure to keep it going. And, you know, it's a valuable thing that my father gave me from him, his own body that he has two kidneys. So obviously he's fine, but, you know, it was, it was no small thing. And uh, so, yeah, I, I, when I get creatinine tested, I always worry. Um, but I, my range has always been between 70 and 90, kind of around there. Uh, and uh, so I was worried but my creatinine this time was 73. So it's pretty low compared to what it even was. I think last year at this time I'd have been, might have been in the 80s. Yeah, very good. I mean, it's it's one of those levels that it can fluctuate within 10 or 15 yeah. points and they don't really worry within a certain range, even 30 points, I think. No, it's it's if it keeps climbing. Right. They get to know everyone has a bit of a different range, but yeah, there is a, still... You have a baseline and yours is usually more around 100, right? Yeah, mine's a little bit higher. Mine sometimes is in the lower nineties. Th- I think ma- ma- males is higher often. I think I've read. I mean, it's different muscle mass. And- as you as you grow too, I remember when I was a kid. So again, we talk about how we've been dealing this, with this practically all our lives. You're not, well, not- somebody comment- complimented. They're like, "Wow, twenty five years! You don't look old enough for that." I was like, "Well, I was pretty <laughs> young when it happened, but uh, thank you." Yeah, <laughs> how do you react I don't know. to that? But um, it's it is one of those things that we've been hearing about this for so long. Like I remember. It was after my first kidney transplant. I've had two. Um, my first kidney that I got from my mom in 99 did last me 10 years, but, you know, not quite as long as Carrie's from our dad. And that's just luck of the, the, the way it goes sometimes. And also who knows what other factors maybe contribute to that. I was a bit younger, so I definitely 
did do a bit bit more maybe partying, you know, drinking and stuff like that growing well, a up. A lot of kids, when they deal with this thing, stuff in their teen years, yeah, that's, you know, you're kind of rebellious and you want to just live life and, and you know, you might have done a bit more living than me. I don't know. Yeah, and I mean, it's hard to say again if that always is that would would have yeah. contributed or kidneys just don't last forever when it's somebody else's kidney put in your body, right? It's not a it's not a perfect nothing. It's like yeah. makes me think of the vaccines with with COVID, where people think, oh, you get this vaccine and it should just fix everything and you'd never get. It. It's like nothing's really perfect like that. Nothing's yeah. a everyone's always looking, I think, for this fix to make everything just go away, but. Most things are kind of in flux and always you have to monitor and can change and it's the same with, with our kidney stuff. But I remember, I think it was after my first transplant, the one time my creatinine was 50. Oh and, yeah, and right after the transplant, it's way down. But I don't even think it was that low after my second one. I think that mm-hmm. partly might have been, I was being a kid. I was so small then, right? I was yeah. a, a little kid. But but again, you talk about the the nervousness you get when, when you have your blood checked to find out what this creatinine level is, the, the, the functioning of your kidney. And... I remember when I was a little kid, like, well, I guess even 12 or 13, which is still pretty young compared to, mm-hmm. to compared to now. But I remember always being, yeah, I would be extremely nervous. Often we'd have our clinic appointments in London here and then we'd go home to our place out in the country near Woodstock. And we'll and, call you with. Yeah, I'd just be sitting around all afternoon <laughs> or, you know, sometimes I'd go back if it was, I'd often go back to school or something too, but I'd be yeah. at school or get home and I'd be like, has there been any phone calls yet? And occasionally there would be a call and I'd be like, uh-oh, and I'd be scared <laughs> to find out what it was and... And there were those few times after my first transplant where it went up and I had to go be readmitted back in the hospital and they had to do more tests. And mm. looking back, like those definitely were traumatic experiences as, as, a, as a kid um, in, in some degree. I mean, we talked a lot about last week when we had our father on about the support that we've been lucky to have in our family. Mm-hmm. So that, that definitely did help a lot that I always had parents around and, and brother and sisters and people around that really did support and were there for me and that definitely helped a lot so I wouldn't go back and say that it was extremely traumatic but I definitely do remember those feelings and how nervous you were because you know you did just want to be healthy and hang out with everyone else you didn't want to have to go back again for more blood work more tests it wasn't that we were like afraid of needles we'd had a bunch by that point but it was just yeah doctor's appointments at certain points in our lives they were they were numerous yeah so a lot of that kind of became normalized and it wasn't anything that Mm -hmm. Um, but I also want to mention now today, and I think it's also maybe I just start difference in personalities and sometimes I, maybe I don't, you know, I'm sure if it actually happens, it won't be easy, but, and it's also just growing up but in I some think, ways. Yeah. Now that you're older, now we're both older, you seem better at being like, well, whatever happened would happen. And, and I think it's also that about it until it does. I've, as I mentioned, my first kidney did stop working yeah. about 10 years after. So I already have been through that once. Yeah. And in some ways someone might say, oh, you know, you've been through that again and not, maybe you dread it even more. But I think in my case, for you, you've gone 25 years and you deal with other things that I don't deal with, with chronic pain. But your kidneys have been stable since 1997, pretty much, since you got mm-hmm. that transplant. So Yeah, sometimes people have like bouts of rejection and sometimes that can be stopped. It doesn't mean the end of the kidney always. But I haven't had really anything. You know, I've had a few doctor's appointments in the last few years where the doctor was kind of like, well... You know, you are past the average of kidney lasting. So, you know, but if anything happens, it's not going to be dramatic. It's not going to be drastic. It'll be a slow thing. And so I just, I don't know what to expect, but the longer you go with, with feeling healthy, the the more distance between you and all that, you start to, you know, you build up this, these years and you don't want to break that record or something. I don't know. Well, that's just it. I mean, the longer you go with something that's working, the, the, 
a bit of a bit harder I think it is to to deal with if you if you have to go back to that whereas when you've in my case I've been through that again since so I don't want to say I'm used to it or I'm obviously I'm not looking forward to it happening again <laughs> but I think it is also just a different mindset where I'm just kind of like well mm. you can't control ev- everything really in life and certain things just happen and I can't sit around worrying about it whether if it's not if it's going to eventually stop working it's there's nothing I can really do about that aside from you know now I am a bit older so I'm definitely a little bit more responsible with with drinking and again I also want to mention that I've even I've talked to doctors about it and it's and they never say like oh you can't drink at all yeah a lot of people think oh you take medication you can't drink and it's not quite yeah I mean I think I think the big part with the kidney stuff is staying hydrated so Mm -hmm. The thing about when you're drinking, you know, you, you can be dehydrated. So yeah. a big part is drinking a lot of water. Um, and Which you've always been pretty good at doing. Yeah. Water's never been too big of an issue. Well, especially since I've been a bit older. When I was a kid, I was more into iced tea. <laughs> drink of choice. You needed sugar in your water. Yeah. I don't know how I survived, but here I am. Um, yeah. But yeah, I don't know. It's just interesting how you get older and you do interpret things differently, especially if you've been through it more. Like, of course, if you'd never had kidney st- disease and then in your 30s if I was diagnosed right now I'd be dealing with all of it but I've and that's something we are going to get into a little bit more too you found an interesting article yeah I just happened to come across this article and that's what I like about things like Facebook that's where I find a lot of interesting things that I wouldn't maybe otherwise find I know some people to get to get their stuff off Twitter but um, whatever you get it from but yeah I found this study is called the mental toll of organ transplant on children and families uh, and BC Children's Hospital Research Institute did this study, uh, you know, looking at a trauma that these sort of experiences can cause, the lasting effects they might have, and when you're a children going through it, but not even just the, the patient, also the family. And we've talked about it before with our, our older siblings who kind of probably had to feel a bit like, you know, you know, put on the back burner, you know, hopefully they didn't feel too pushed aside when, when, you know, all the attention was on me and then you and then us, but, uh, you know, the whole family goes through it when, when it happens. So, uh, I found this study and it just, I'm glad because I've been thinking about this for a couple of years now, wondering, you know, like you said, we seem to have come through it. Okay. But you wonder what lasting effects it had or what, what impressions it left on you from, from all those years of so much uncertainty and. Yeah, it's hard to know. And I think it's, it's good that at least they are starting to look into this stuff because the reason that we don't know is because it even says in the article that these studies haven't really been done before. It's just, yeah. and I think it's it's like we've noticed in, in a lot of areas now where mental health is being talked about more and more. So then it will just be, be referred to in, in all these different areas of life or any experiences that people go through that everything has a mental effect, whether it be positive or negative or, you know, and, and, and these things definitely aren't the average sort of childhood for somebody. So... It can be it can be difficult, and even for a family to to, to deal with all this stuff, and and uh, so it's it is just important I think that we keep looking into this. Of course, mental health is such a ongoing study, so it's never it's not like this. It's like we talked about earlier, the solution. It's it's an ongoing thing. It's not like you're just going to solve these things. It's more about monitoring them and figuring out the best approaches to have therapists. And and I know I think when we were going through this, we did see a psychologist maybe a couple of times through the hospital, but nothing. Did you? I have like a vague memory. I think when we went for like our main week workup, we maybe it was more okay. like a social worker or something. Well, they always had social workers on the team, but in my memory, social workers were more like, okay, your family's 
in Toronto for your transplant at Sick Kids, and you're staying at the Ronald McDonald House. You guys need parking. Like they look after your right. needs, but not as much that how you doing, you know, emotionally. And that's just it. I mean, I don't think that was really even ta- like just wasn't as common commonly talked about in the '90s as it is today. And even yeah. today, it's still not talked about that much or as much as it as it should be, in my opinion. So it is an ongoing thing. But yeah, you make a good point that I don't really think that that happened we might have had like one meeting with somebody but it was never no it was not well, a- i had a, i had a few sessions with the psychologist she was a pediatric psychologist at uh victoria hospital here in london and uh i remember seeing her a few times and it was fine but at the time i, w- I was just kind of like why am i here i don't know yeah and and again too i think it does it definitely differs not to say that some outside support isn't important as well because when it's from family that's that's so important but at the same point they're so close to you that sometimes maybe they, you know, sometimes it's good to get an outside perspective on things. But I, I wonder too if, you know, if we didn't have that support, I mean, it's hard for anyone to get mental health um, coverage and, and, yeah. and taken seriously, I think, is still these days. So I don't know if it would have been different, but I do think the fact that we had that support from our family, it wasn't maybe as essential as it might mm-hmm. be for, for some. But still, I think maybe, you know, anyone could benefit from... Well, it says in their more recent study, they conducted mental health assessments of 56 patients between the ages of 7 and 20 who received a solid organ transplant. Never heard. Solid organ. Yeah. So kidney, liver, heart, as well as surveys of their family members. So, yeah, I'm glad this is happening now. Uh, And, of course, often these things happen with children, and that's, that's good, too, right? Because... A lot of what you what you're determining your life will be is is what you experience in your sort of formative years. So, yeah, and I think that's the thing is good on them. It's like anything, right? It's starting. It's like we talk about with these blindness skills that people are learning. This even if you should have some sight, the learn the sooner you learn start learning these things, the better. Because yeah. so it's the same with mental health. You know, if you start approaching it from from a younger age, then you have more time and you're kind of catching your, uh, somebody when they're still developing and, and really, but it's not to say that we still need to, we can't overlook adults because, you know, sometimes maybe they've missed out on that in their childhood, yeah. but they still need it as well. Obviously this study in particular was more focused on children, which is also very important, but I just think we do need to, we need to get a, away from this a little bit of like, oh, if someone's grown up, they're an adult, like then they're more mature and they're fine. They, they but, must be fine because yeah. they got through it, obviously. Whereas a lot of, a lot of older people and stuff, you know, still do have a lot of mental baggage or things that they're dealing with and maybe just are sort of overlooked because it's like, oh, you, you'll deal with it. You're, it's sort of that old attitude kind of, or that outdated attitude in my opinion of like, oh, everyone has a tough, it tough out there. Just, mm-hmm. you know, be positive and just keep, keep well, at it's it. it's the whole and, thing of pulling up your bootstraps. Yeah. And of course it's important to try to be optimistic the most you can because that does help, but it's not, yeah. it's not that simple. It's not an overall solution for for these things so anyway you want to talk about something more fun uh, quickly before our break there's so many things but i thought i would i just quickly mention something that is is fun because i mean this other thing that i'm going to talk about this little experience i had on friday isn't you you can laugh about it yeah it's not the word it's not really that bad but it's still kind of serious i wanted to keep things a little bit light too so well i was just going to bring up how we celebrated the kidney anniversary last weekend yeah, I think maybe I'll, I'll hold off on the... Second half. We'll yeah, on the second that. half, I'll start off with my, my Friday. But I want to quick mention before you get into that, as we said, we like to jump around the topics here, about my uh, fantasy baseball that I haven't talked about in a while. I'm all big into fantasy sports here, and I can't uh. really 
I'm, ha- I'm happy for you because you found something that it brings you a, a, some, a bit of a thrill and distracts you from life. But it's so funny to watch you when you're like, Carrie, I'm winning. I'm, I'm, I'm beating this. For, I'm beating everybody. I'm <laughs> well, we talk about, you know, I never... I never played like really sports in school. I, yeah, I know. It's just found- fantasy sports, but it's like, yeah, you didn't have that experience of getting to be on teams and so I get it. Yeah, and I mean I'm I guess I'm sort of in between. I can't say that I don't like winning. Like it's yeah. when you're playing against people you know too. It's a rush, it's, but it's just for fun, obviously, but it's It is, yeah, and I'm not actually like It can get it can get kind of <laughs> <laughs> I know you don't love it because I don't know. I know it's kind of a uh, an interesting concept of oh I'm beating you and this like that but I know it's a pretty big thing in society with you know we do this with all these things the Olympics and all of these things where we mm-hmm. people are competing and we sometimes have a bit of a discussion on that I I think it's important to still have a bit of that in life because it does push people to kind of try but at the same point it does get us unfortunate like I've gotten into sports more the last 10 years but even still when I hear some people's reactions like with a game like how loud and excited it's well, kind of like we've heard people actually crying when a sports it's team it's a little intense I people think people get like, pretty intense whatever whatever you know you're passionate about I don't want to put you down for that that's great anyone you know it's good to have anything that you look forward to and you so it's none of that it's just I don't take it try not to take it quite that seriously I think we mentioned when we had our dad on last week that you know he's also a big, pretty big sports fan as we grew up and, and still today especially with baseball, something that him and I have bonded on um, quite a bit in more recent years that I've, since I've gotten into baseball. Um, but we talked about that, about how, you know, doctors and, and nurses and, and these things, these people are the real heroes, not mm-hmm. not people who play sports. Of course, it's... It's, it's a, a skill. It's, yeah, it's obviously they need to be paid because not everyone can do that, yeah. do it. It's pretty hard to play in professional sports, but at the same point, it is just for fun. Um, but yeah, I won't go too much into the fantasy baseball. I've I still haven't heard from any blind people who play fantasy sports. So if you're out there hmm. and you, you're blind or if you know of anyone who's blind who does or maybe is interested and hasn't started it, let me know and I'd like to have you in one of my leagues next year because uh, <laughs> it's just something I, I don't know of many blind people who do and I hadn't done it before this. But yeah, it has been a lot of fun. I'm in two leagues. One is just a public Yahoo league that I joined with my brother, but it's a bunch of other people that we don't know that anyone can just join those just for fun. But then we're also in a, in a paid league where we, we all just put in 20 bucks. So again, it's just for fun. Somebody does win some money, but it's not like we're not gambling hundreds and hundreds of dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so I ended up winning the hockey when I was in over the winter somehow, even though baseball's a sport I understand well. Somehow. Hockey, not so much. Um, I mean, I did, I did try. I you know, put players on bench. I switched people out and all this. Well, when you, when you, when you commit to something, you give it your all. Yeah, no, for sure. So, so I actually won that. And then now in baseball, I've, uh, as of last week, I made it into first place in our paid league that I'm in with my brother and a few of my friends, a few of his friends. Um, so I've made it into first place in that league and I'm still in first place after this week too. So I'm still holding the first place spot. So that was kind of nice to, to find out after this past week that, that I, uh, Still holding on to first place here. Obviously, baseball season's super long. There's like six months long, I think. So we're not even halfway through it yet. So who knows what the ending results will be? But uh, hmm. we we shall uh, shall wait and see. I'm sure you, I'm sure you can't wait to find out, right, Kay? I'm on the edge of my seat. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it goes back to my love for math too, because a lot of it yeah. is based on stats, and that was the same with the hockey. Is even though I don't understand the sport that well. I think a lot of it is already in the app with every, all the players ranked based on 
their scores and 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 what plays they've they've performed in the games and all these all these statistics that are already laid out for you and ranked. So, so you don't really have to know the sport too well to, to but, still. But, but but it's accessible and you're you're able to do it. So yeah, the uh, the app I use the um, fantasy app through Yahoo on my on my iPhone. Um, you can do it on the website as well, and I've tried that. I found the website a little clunkier. Mm-hmm. Sometimes with with websites, I find there's just so much stuff. Yeah. Um, my computer at home is also getting a little bit older, so <laughs> that might not be helping. But uh, that can sometimes tie into it as well. So I've just found it works really well on my phone. So that's where I've been using it, and yeah, I found the the whole process quite accessible so far. So. <laughs> well, talking about apps, you want to go to the break with something here? Sure. Yeah, I think it's break time here. I'll cue up the music here if you want to quickly wrap up. Oh, well, I, I might need a... Well, start talking. About it. When, <laughs> okay. When you're almost wrapped up, then I'll... I thought you were going to cut me off. So, speaking of apps, uh, I used an app the other day um, to... I took a picture of my dad and I, so like our, you know, 25-year anniversary photo, the two of us in my backyard, and I ran the photo through an app that I have, and here's what it called... Well, here's how it described it for people who have never used image descriptions and, and things. It says, image description, people. Two people detected. 62 years old man with gray hair, wearing glasses, looking happy. 32 year old woman with brown hair, looking happy. So speaking of me wow. looking young, I uh, they thought I'm 32. I'm actually 38. And uh, I think they aged my dad down a little bit, but... Uh, yeah, they did him too. So there you go. <laughs> they, they, got the, they got the gist of us. You guys just, have both... We have younger genes in our family or something. I guess. I guess. It was just funny. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting how they would actually say an age now. And I mean... I know. I get, I get why they do that because if, if you can see... Generally, you can have a bit of an idea by looking at someone, but not totally. Like, I don't know. I feel like that could be... Like we say, but it's still it was still pretty close. It's mm-hmm. not like they're like twenty years out or something. No, so. they 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 got they got us pretty pretty nicely there. So I thought I would share what what I hear when I when I run a, a photo through an app. Yeah, and we talk a lot about image descriptions on this show and how important that is. And mm-hmm. on your fa- on Facebook, that's the that's the place we mention the most. I kind of don't like mention because it's like I feel like a lot of people now are like, oh, Facebook's mo- we've moved on, and it's wow. so I don't know. I think it's just social media in general, or just yeah best way to find information anyway anywhere where you post an image you can write a description but they're getting better and better at the auto auto generated ones as well sometimes it depends yeah it's 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 always a work in progress but hit and miss yeah i think we will go out to a quick break here on outlook but then we'll be right back with more of today's episode here today on radio western outlook Radio Western. And welcome back to the show. Outlook here today. Thanks for tuning in. You can find us on all podcast services. Just search for Outlook on Radio Western. And again, thanks to everyone who does listen. Care, I was telling you recently that we've really gotten a lot of listens I've found for our more recent episodes. Yeah, well, the longer you do this stuff. Yeah. I think uh, back... Back last year, we were getting a lot of shows that maybe had 40 or 50 plays, and now I, I'm, see, I'm seeing that we're having at least 100, and I think the Heather Hutchison one from two weeks ago, we had 162 plays last I checked, and then... But, I mean, I, I care, but it's just the kind of thing you check into well, more than me. Well, but you always ask me. You always want to know. <laughs> you always expect, ask me, and then now you're trying Sometimes. to... Sometimes. Now you're pretending like you don't care at all. <laughs> or we have zero listeners. Nobody listened those last two years, care. <laughs> no, I, I get it. I'm not... 
I think like compliments and all these type, types of things, and it's it's a weird thing. I think you know, being a musician as well. Please review and rate us. Please review and yeah. rate us. Yeah, being a musician as well. I think it's quite common that artsy people are, or some, and it depends on the personality. Some people are just more good at into promoting than others. But mm-hmm. I def, I do struggle with it. I kind of just. I don't know. I think, but I do think deep down we all do want, need some assurance from others. We want, even if people don't want to admit it. Yeah, yeah. I think compliments <laughs> and these things. And again, it's hard to know kind of what to say often. Like in, in the past when I played at shows or something, it was like, oh, you, man, you were so good on the guitar. It's like, th- thanks. And you don't want to sound ungrateful, but it's kind of like, <laughs> what do you say after a point? But I think too, some people are like, oh, I don't care. I don't need any compliments. But yet, we all need some sort of assurance, I think. Validation. Validation, yeah. Good good word there, writer, writer Carrie Kajewski. Well, how about we segue into talking about your latest scar? <laughs> I assume it's going to be a scar. It's not quite a Harry Potter yeah, thing scar. But. I don't know if it'll be too bad, but it'll be a, no. it'll lift me a little, little bit of a scar. So, so, yeah. So, on Fridays, I do my music show from noon to two. And this past Friday, it was such a nice day out. Um, so, I finished the show... So in a pretty good mood. The sh- it was a bit slow going in the morning, but once I did the show, it always seems to cheer me up. <laughs> so then right when I stepped outside, we do our show here in the UCC, the University Community Center. I just stepped outside, and it was so nice out, and I've done the route from, from the station here out of the building to the bus stop. We actually did an episode care a long time ago of Outlook where we recorded us walking from the bus to, to Western Studios here. Just to give people an idea of when you're blind and using a cane and yep. what you do have to listen for in the environment and, and all of these things. Um, so we did do that, but I've done this route now so many times the past five years with my music show and then Outlook that the more you do something, it's like it's like anything in life, right? Practice pays off and you learn it so well that this route, I barely have to think when I'm doing it. I know exactly where to go. I know where to turn. Um, I know all these things. And so sometimes you do get a little overconfident. And I think the other thing is I tend to walk pretty fast. Um, yeah, you walk faster than me. Yeah. And there's a whole thing about how long a white cane should be. So certain people like longer canes, depending on how tall you are. But other people really think that longer, a bit longer, is better because then you have further reach. And so, if you walk faster, you're more likely to catch things. And uh, you know, if your sh- your cane's shorter, or you're not sweeping it out far enough, you might miss something. And I don't know what happened. I wasn't there and didn't witness it. But yeah, and I I don't even know exactly what it was. We were talking mm-hmm. there with the the marketing director here at Western, and I think it might have been the patio for the spoke. Um, mm, yeah. It's right outside the there. Cafe here. Yeah, because it was a uh, was like a metal pole bar type thing <laughs> that I rammed right into with my forehead, just just right above my right eyebrow. It's a pretty sensitive spot if you really ram into. Yeah, the- well, you have a lot of blood vessels there in your in your in your skull there. In your scalp, yeah. So it definitely can bleed pretty good, and <laughs> and honestly, it's one of those things that you know. I think some people might assume, oh, you're blind, you pr- must run into things all the time, and I'm not be I'm not gonna be dishonest in that I have run into poles in the past you know it's it's bound to happen and and it can happen to anyone you know these days especially people looking at their phones and these types of things anyone could happen to but of course when you're blind you do have to pay more attention when you're when you're out and about you really have to be listening you know generally speaking if you can see you wouldn't necessarily run right into a pole like that it could still happen but in this case I feel like it probably and you know also being in such a good mood I wasn't using my cane properly so part of it could be that my cane wasn't long enough but I think another part might be I just wasn't you weren't fully in the moment you weren't focusing totally yeah my mind was definitely your head was in the clouds a little it was a beautiful day wandering Friday yeah and it's that whole idea too that I think 
I've been blind all my life. I don't even think about blindness when I'm walking a lot of the time. I'm just, no. I feel like anyone else and I'm just... Yeah, you're not someone who's kind of lost their sight more recently, who's more hesitant because, the, you know, they're, they're, they, they're used to seeing. This is how you, it's always been for you. So you just, you're living your life like anyone else. You're going about your day and you, you know where to go at this point. You know, you know how to get to the bus stop and that's where you were heading. And and I get, you know, I, I know with you, you commented that you, you walk a bit slower and obviously everyone has different, different, um, but I walk slower partially because I have chronic pain and right. I have some, you know, hip issues and other things. Whereas maybe if I didn't have any of that, maybe I would be just as speedy as you. But it's a confidence thing. It's just a, you know, personality thing. It's a mood thing. Yeah, there's so many things. And part of it could be like, oh, maybe I should slow down a bit more. But I also, <laughs> you know, I want to get good exercise and I feel good when I walk at a decent speed. Like I don't want to walk too slow. Yeah. So I'm not the type that's like, oh, now I ran into something. Now I'm always going to be slow. Obviously, walking out that door now, I'm going to be, it's going to be on my Next mind. Next time I'll, you do it, yeah. I'll be a little bit more cautious until I at least get down the stairs. And I, you know, well, always always when you're walking, it's, just, it's a good reminder to always be paying attention for anyone. But, you know, when you're blind too, it's always important to be listening. It's it's unfortunate that being blind, you do have, it, it takes a lot, a bit more mental energy to, to be able to pay attention to your surroundings enough that, you know, you can watch out for yourself. You know, we obviously don't fall down stairs and hit poles all the time, but it can happen if you're not paying attention. So it's important to uh, try and focus on what you're doing. Yeah. And I think you do make a good point there that, you know, I sometimes struggle with motivation just in general about going out and, and, and sometimes getting out. And every time once I... So once you're out, you're out. Do get out there and I feel good. But I think part of it definitely, you know, I wouldn't be totally honest if I didn't say that part of that is the blindness where you do have to pay a little bit more attention you kind of you can't just kind of go out totally without and just sort of go with the flow completely you do have to focus a bit more because you are using your ears to constantly listen when you're out and about so Mm -hmm. anyway I ran pretty much smack into this pole and of course my immediate reaction is like oh I don't want to bring attention to this you know I just want to blend in with everyone else I don't want to yeah and I've hit my head before and oftentimes it's just like oh I'm just gonna if I have a Kleenex or something in my pocket, I'll just put pressure on it right away, obviously, to stop the bleeding and stuff. And hopefully nobody saw it and I can just move on with my day. But, you know, blood isn't the nicest thing to see. And generally people do notice it, especially if it's bleeding badly enough. Uh, It's not totally busy now that schools sort of flood out, but uh, there's still students around. So luckily someone did see because you said it was bleeding quite a bit. So again, my first reaction right after it happened is like, oh, I think I just started walking continue walking to the steps to go down to get to the path to go to the bus stop and but after like a couple steps I was like okay this is bleeding I've I put my hand on it to give some pressure but that isn't good enough no uh, I was like I have nothing in my pockets you only had your a, mask a right? mask here I don't really want to soak that so this is very graphic sorry sorry if, uh, mm, yeah a little bit graphic Monday. for a Monday morning somebody's trying to enjoy their <laughs> their lunch or something but yeah so anyway then I just turned around I was like okay I gotta go inside I gotta try and find something to push put pressure on this or something but it was pretty quiet out there at first but then yeah luckily a couple of students recognized or saw me there and and right away you know they saw the bleeding and they said oh we will need to call an ambulance you need you know Mm -hmm. my reaction part of it is in society too i think everyone just we want to just be fine and nobody wants to totally admit when they and you feel kind of silly running into a pole Mm -hmm. of, of course right yeah. Even though I didn't, didn't beat myself out, up about it too much. but Well, yeah, that's why I started with the quote at the beginning of the show. Right. It's like you move on. Absurdities and, or I don't know what, what you want to call it. <laughs> yeah. And luckily I, I don't. Things happen in life. It doesn't traumatize me too much. It's not like, oh, now I'm scared to go outside now because of this. Well, I'm a little more sensitive to feeling embarrassment than you, I guess. But you're human. You yeah. feel it too. I think it's like I, I talked about earlier about the compliments where... 
it's easy for me to say, oh, I, you know, I don't feel embarrassed at all. But every, I think anyone can maybe feel that sometimes. Yeah. I just think, yeah, the older you get, the more confidence you build. You start to care a bit less about what other people are thinking. And Yeah, um, I hope that's what happens when you get older. Yeah, it, it's, it's generally It's got to be does, a benefit to I getting think. older, I would hope. Yeah. But uh, off you went to the hospital. Yeah, so I just wanted to mention again that the, the two students, they, they helped me inside here. There's in actually, case you're listening right now, students, maybe you're listening to this. Like, yeah, I was actually one of those. I saw that. That was me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I didn't even realize there was actually a clinic in the UCC, which I guess makes sense. It's a university community center. They need to have clinics if anyone yeah. gets hurt on campus to quickly go look, get looked at. And if it is anything too serious, they would you know call, call an ambulance. And Yes, they would. So <laughs> I just wanted to say again that I, it, this whole experience really did make me appreciate people and you know, it's something I always think about that there are so many still good people out there. You know, obviously we hear about a lot of the yeah difficult things going on. Yeah, and, and there was so much that it's happened since our last mixed bag. I was going to maybe bring up, but that's it's a lot of it is the really horrible stuff going on right now. And so it's good that you're bringing this into it because you know we, all the medical stuff we've had since being young children, we've received such good care for the most part, and. Uh, as blind people, it, we all have to admit when we might need some assistance and that's a human thing that we need to get better at all of us. And so it's good to know that there are good people out there who are, who are standing by. Yeah. So they were just, the students were super helpful. You know, they could have just maybe said, oh, here's some Kleenex and went on their merry way, but they, <laughs> they helped me inside and showed me this clinic. I mean, generally I think, I guess if people see bleeding and stuff, yeah. it does cause concern and people generally do, but not everyone. So it was a head wound. Just, Even if it was a sort of superficial one. Yeah. So just just a shout out to the, the students that did help me out. I don't think they're listening, but if they happen to be, uh, <laughs> huge thanks to them. And then, yeah, the people here at the clinic, there was a, a registered nurse that would happen to be there that quickly looked at it and then wrapped up my whole head with gauze to put pressure. And again, it's one of those cuts that it would have stopped. It wasn't like a huge cut. Um, well, you only got a few stitches, right? So, yeah, it, it didn't need much. Yeah. So they did call an ambulance and they... It took me to the hospital, the university hospital, which is nice and close here to Western. So it wasn't mm-hmm. too far to go. Um, and just how impressed I was at first when I went in, I was kind of like, ah, oh, you know, it's a Friday. I want to just be home. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be in the hospital all night, but it was, it was only like an hour, I think at most really that I was in there. Yeah. Um, you know, got a quick bed there. Um, and then the doctor came in, take, took a quick look and then, yeah, put in three dissolvable stitches. So I don't even have to go back in to get the stitches taken out. Nice. But I think here, this is my own. First time getting stitches awake, not um, aside from surgeries, where I was. Those were. Did you? I think I had staples. I thought was it stitches or staples? I think I had dissolvable stitches when I had one of my dialysis catheters put in yeah. or something. No, oh, yeah, you're right. Probably um, both. But yeah, I've had staples as well. Staples. <laughs> All these things that you know, maybe a lot of younger people haven't experienced, though. You know, some have too. But mm-hmm. it's just interesting to be talking about cert- certain things where, you know, sometimes when you're younger, you don't have these experiences like we do. So it's kind of like. You might not but a lot of kids have broken a bone yeah, well, that's, or gotten stitches for something, you know. Well, that's what I want to point out is the fact that I don't think I'd had stitches from an accident before. I know yeah. our family members, you know, our brother cut his hand once. And I had to get stitches there. His finger dropped a cement concrete uh, block on his finger. So, like, and part of that sometimes you wonder is is the blindness that we are a little bit more. F- I think our sister and brother were racing at a, in a hockey arena to a door and somebody put their hand through the door, went the window of the door. But yeah, I think when you're blind, you know, you're in a new place like a hockey arena, we're less likely you're a little to, more cautious to, to race each other in a strange With place. things, but that's not always the case either. No, at home, when we were at home, we would be rough and tumble outside like anyone else. Because yeah, I did mention a couple weeks ago about fracturing my arm at school. So I, you know, I jumped off the climbers and playing. And, and we were kids in the back cellar of our basement once and we had this wood pile and we were jumping on an old mattress and you 
jumped jumped right into the wood pile. So we've had a, we've had our share of things, but but yeah, I just mean the whole the whole experience itself wasn't the way I'd planned to spend my Friday afternoon. But of course, hmm. could have been much worse in in the grand scheme of things. It wasn't that bad, and you know I didn't fall, I didn't have a concussion or anything. Of course, they ask that right away. Like, did you yeah. black out at all? Did you know? They ask for your phone number and all this info to make sure you your memory's st- still there and you're with it. Mm-hmm. And obviously everything was fine. And I, you know, I, I probably would have been fine, but I also live on my own and, and not being able to see to be able to clean something or change a Band-Aid and stuff, it it can be a little trickier. So this just did work out. And and again, you know, when I thank all the students here for helping me and the, the staff at the clinic here and then at the hospital as well, it's just, and I get it, I know there's a lot going on in, in the news and talks about indigenous people being treated poorly. And yeah, I mean like specifically there, and there's this video of a woman who's indigenous who was, who, who ended up dying on the floor of a hospital because they weren't treating her, taking her seriously, seriously. Right. So, you know, as white settlers in, on this land, we, with disabilities, we get uh, attention and yeah, and I don't, I just, I, I think it is important that we do say that cause I don't want to make it sound like, mm-hmm. Oh, everything's perfect for th- everyone and this is our medical system's perfect because it's there's there's always room for improvement with every anything yeah. but it just one of those moments again where i just imagine you know if i was living in the u.s i don't know what maybe, what I, bill you would maybe i'd be lucky with insurance there or something but if you're not then how much would you pay for this and and just th- the care that went in like i haven't been you know we've talked about that we've both been in the hospital quite a bit me more so in my I recent haven't been, years i haven't been inpatient in hospital in 20 years Right. So for you, quite a bit longer than me. Mm-hmm. But even for me, it's been it's been a few years now. It was 20, 2015 was the last time I was in. Mm. So, you know, seven years ago now. So, but still, I've been in the hospital enough times that I don't really fear it. And it's a weird thing to say to some people. Yeah, it's like we're comfortable there. Well. Yeah, there uh, was a certain, going back in there on Friday, it was a certain comfort. And again, part of that is that they, it just felt like, the way I like to describe it as a well-oiled machine. It just mm-hmm. felt so organized and everyone was so helpful and complimentary. Like after I was done, somebody there helped me to the front door so I could call an Uber and st- mm-hmm. stood with me until my Uber came. And mm-hmm. of course, you know, maybe we're treated better than some people and I, that's terrible. I think I, I just, I don't, I can't fathom that. And I, I think that's just awful and something we need to continue to talk about. But it still doesn't, it still makes me really feel like I need to acknowledge how how important it is these these doctors and nurses and and how much I how much respect and ad- admiration I have for them and they really do mean everything to me and it's oh boy I don't know Brian's getting well it's it was just up. it was just a good experience I'm not crying or anything no really. as we were saying last <laughs> week with our father right it's good to to be honest and and be free with emotions because bottling things up and trying to be the tough guy as the saying goes all the time is not not uh doesn't really beneficial yeah i mean i just wish that we talked about the mental health before that we could get more mental health and we can keep talking about this stuff because i just think we should be at a point where the hospital isn't a scary place because we need to go there we need we need to have that option and if we're just afraid of it and we don't want to you know there's just a lot more talk recently about with all this stuff, and of course, I don't want to focus on it, but with science and, and medical professionals and, and people not trusting them and believing them, and it's just, it's sad mm. because I think... Yeah, and like all the mistreatment they've been getting and, you know, that you know, they're not paid well enough, so, you know, they're they're overworked and... and uh, Yeah, so, I don't know. It's an ongoing thing. The but. two of us have, have mad respect for, for all that they do. And another thing I noticed with that whole experience is that it wasn't, there was no, like, focus on my blindness. Like, again, <laughs> that's just something that... 
I think it's one of those things that people talk about so much about, oh, everyone always treats me differently because I'm blind or everyone always does this. And I don't know. I just, and I I realize everyone's experience is different. So I'm not at all, would never want to minimize somebody else's experience if they have been treated poorly. But just at the hospital there, like, of course, when they picked me up with the ambulance, they asked, you know, how much can you see and stuff like that. But other than that, it was never like all this uncertainty or how do we, I don't know, it just, it felt natural. It's like when I came here to Western originally, nobody was kind of like, I didn't feel out of place. I didn't feel like, oh, he's the blind person here. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of that might just be getting older too and and confidence and, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But anyway, all things considered, it was quite the experience. I did get home safely Friday um, and uh, had a pretty relaxing weekend, but I'm, I'm feeling fine and yeah, it was mm-hmm. quite the way to end the, end the week last week. Oh, good. Well, I don't know. We could end the show talking about politics, but I did want to touch on something that's currently going well, we still on. Have, we still have 10 so. minutes, and I've been talking a lot here, so I think I'll turn it over to you. You can touch on that, and then we'll touch on the election as well. Yeah. You know, I'd rather talk about anything but politics, but... Well, I just want to quickly talk more, not specifically about politics, but more about voting accessibility. I know. <laughs> you don't not sound like you want <laughs> well, to. Yeah, I just... I think I it's important, Kara, especially after an election. What do you just... No, it, it is. You I You know, I'm going to talk about the Luminato Festival, which is happening in Toronto right now. Uh, and I prefer it because it's about art and science and, you know, the environment. And well, you know me, I'd rather, and I'd be cool just, you know, listening to music all day and being creative and, yeah, I know. and and all that kind of stuff. But I also try to need to do some advocacy as well. So it's good to balance it out. But yeah, talk, talk a little bit about this, this festival here. Cause yeah, I found, found out about it through some of my, um, acquaintance, acquaintances who, as I mentioned earlier with that image description of me and my father, uh, there are people who work in that industry who describe movies and plays for blind people. And so there are sighted people who are describers, and then there are blind people who are consultants and work with the sighted describers. And so I heard about it through them because they... Um, so it, Luminato Festival is happening in Toronto. I think it's happening till the 19th, began on like the 9th. If you're in Toronto this weekend or if you're there now, uh, you can check it out. There was events that took place in... Uh, in Toronto this past weekend. David Suzuki was there, him and his wife, uh, Tara Cullis. Uh, they were on a, he was on a panel uh, with this man named Ed Bertinsky, who, he's speaking of Ukraine in the news recently, he's a Ukrainian guy, but he's, uh, he's a photographer and he takes pictures of industrial sites around the world and how humans interact with the natural world. He takes a lot of pictures of quarries and, and mines and uh, oil fields and um, you know, and he takes pictures of factories and just how we ad- how we adapt and fit into the natural world. And I guess they had his documentary um, broadcast on giant screens in downtown Toronto there. And they had an audio describer. So this was uh, in person in Toronto. It's happening at different theaters and different outdoor venues around the city. And around the GTA, I believe. Well, I heard some events were taking place at Young Dundas Square, which yeah. is like a big hotspot downtown. Yeah, that's where the um, Bratinsky's movie was broadcast on giant screens, and so it was. Um, there was soundscape, and uh, the, you know. But all of this was available online, I think, yeah. for streaming. So I heard about there was one last fall, and it was adapted for for the pandemic. Uh, they've been doing it for a couple of years now, but they so they've adapted it so that if you can't make it to Toronto, which is not so easy for me to do, um, it's available online. So if you go to luminatofestival.com, there's a whole bunch of stuff there. Uh, and um, if you go, so they, on that website, um, 
you can go to, um, it's called Radio Lumi. Uh, and it's on ISO FM. So it's like a community radio station in the Toronto area that sort of gives over their station for the the remainder of the, for the extent of the whole festival. And they have, um, so sometimes they were broadcasting live from, from that, from the square. And I got to hear Bertinsky's movie described. Uh, I, I put it on my TV from my phone and, uh, and so they have, um, they have panel discussions, like I said, with David Suzuki talking about sustainability. And uh, at next weekend, I believe, they have some stuff going on at Woodvine Park and Woodvine Beach. Have you ever been there, Bry? Woodvine? Is it Vine or Bine? I hear them talk about it. I didn't, don't I see it. I think Bine maybe, but I'm not sure. I haven't. I don't <laughs> think I've been there. Yeah, I don't know if I've been there either. But um, uh, So they have, they have a lot of dis- disability art, though. So they have a lot of people with disabilities, musicians, poets, and um, they had this um, one van- uh, panel was called "Beloved: A Celebration of Toni Morrison and the Black Woman's ri- ri- Writer's Experience." So they had panelists talking about that. So there's LGBTQ artists, uh, there's disabled artists, and uh, and it is Pride Month, right? It is, yeah. In June here. Mm-hmm. I was trying to look up the officials for that, and I kept seeing stuff about just the U.S. So I didn't know. Yeah, here too. But- but I think it's everywhere. Yeah. June, June Pride Month. I don't know why it didn't say Canada when I was researching, but... Uh, because every time there's a national something week, <laughs> it's, it's always usually <laughs> in the States. It's... U.S. comes it's first for, for whatever reason. But yeah, it is everywhere, so that ties in as well. But they um, they had... They, it was interesting. They had like... They called them mixtapes. So one of the segments I heard over the weekend was a an ornithologist who studies birds, a biologist. He was in... Um, Tommy Thompson Park in Toronto and he was like bird watching and he was describing birds and so I'm, I'm really into birds these days. At my backyard I like to listen and try to pick out the different birds and I can't see them anymore obviously but I imagine what they're up to and uh, so there's a lot of uh, things about nature that that um, were interesting. They had a Here We Are reimagined land acknowledgement so you know indigenous issues were brought to the forefront. Obviously David Suzuki was on a panel with um, and an indigenous woman, they were talking about the environment and they were talking about um, it's important that there's responsibilities to having freedom in a country like Canada. And and as we get older, Brian and I, I, I mean, I know I care more about the planet and what's going to be left oh, for yeah. my niece yeah. and nephew. And For sure, yeah. It's something I'm always thinking about because all these different weather events going on recently and, you know, there's so many. But the, David Suzuki and his wife have a, have a play that they wrote that's that's that was t- taking place over the weekend at a theater in, in the, there in Toronto. It's, it's called What You Won't Do for Love. So it's about him and his wife and their 50-year marriage and their family, but also loving the planet as much as you love your family, kind of valuing it and, you know, res- paying respect to it and treating it well. Yeah, no, that's actually a good way of looking at it, I think, because I think, you know, people is, is one thing, and especially people that are close to us we think about, but sometimes the greater picture of 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 uh, when it's a larger thing that we can't, it's not as quite as easy to connect sometimes, I think, because it's not just people that are close to us. Sometimes we forget right. about the, the world that we do contribute and 
there's so many so many of us that sometimes it's like, oh, what difference does one thing make? But it all adds up, right? Mm-hmm. And, it's, and if you're blind and you want to check it out this weekend coming up, uh, some of these events, they have this thing called Whisper Guides that if you want to go there independently, you show up. If you book a spot, there'll be someone there to meet you to, you know, take you around and describe things. And so it's good that it's being adapted for disability. And uh, check it out. Like I say, if you're in the area, illuminatofestival.com. Yeah, and you said it goes on this week too, or is it just on the weekend? I think there are certain events events through the week, but there's a lot more this weekend again. Yeah, well, that's that's uh, sounds like quite the interesting. And it ends festival. Sunday night, and and then again, you can, if you go to luminatofestival dot com, then you can check it out online if you can't make it to Toronto. If you're into art or science or any of that, check it out. Cool. Well, thanks for that update. And uh, I don't know. Now I, I really thought it would be important to mention the election because it's just something I think voting is well, important. Well, we both but- voted provincially. And it's funny that happened on a National Accessibility Week. Yeah, I was going to mention that quickly too, that we did have a week that we didn't mention on Outlook because we've been busy with, with guests and stuff recently. But yeah, yeah it was National Ac- Accessibility Week. And that was a specific Canadian one from May 29th to June the 4th. Was it Canadian? Yeah, it says celebrate the valuable contributions and leadership of Canadians with disabilities. Like I read all the, the things about it and it did mm. sound like it was specific to Canada. Um, it's just funny that there were issues with voting provincially on that on a week that's supposed to be about accessibility. Yeah, so I'll keep this brief because we do want to wrap things up um, and we're not going to get too deep into the election stuff. But Well, it's pa- it's over now, but it, it's going to be come up again, something well, that keeps coming up. Again, I think it was, what, 43% or something of Canadians voted? Mm-hmm. This time, so for one, of course, Ford's back in. I didn't want to draw too much attention to it. It is what it is, and we got through the last four years. We'll get through it. It's fine. It's just not what a lot of people were. Yeah, it just still seems like the, the turnout was so poor. But again, I think that's a big part is that the turnout is so low, and and then the question is why is that? And I I look back on my younger years when I I used to live in Toronto in my early twenties, moved here to London when I was twenty five. So I don't think I voted when I was in Toronto, really. So some kids are like, I, I get it. Don't have, I couldn't care less. And others, there are some who are really passionate For about sure. it, but not, not, everyone. but not, not enough, not I enough of a youth turnout. Yeah. Obviously if you're having only 44% or whatever it is of Canadians going out to vote, it just, and I get it. It's, it's not that easy, but, and it was a struggle for me. So I just want to quickly mention that, that, uh, in past, in the past, I was able to get a ride to the polls. Um, mm-hmm. And I think most candidates, that wasn't through um, Elections Ontario. That was through the parties, the, the themselves. parties themselves. Mm-hmm. Whereas in in, uh, in 2018, the NDP candidate came to my door and, and, you know, found out that I was blind and said, oh, we can, we'd offer you a ride to the polls, which, again, it's a, it's a debate I have in my mind because, you know, we're blind and I can travel independently. And I don't want, I don't like continuing that stereotype that, oh, if you're blind, you need to be taken everywhere by somebody else. You can't do anything yourself. But well, there, there's a municipal election coming up in, in the fall here and I was on this committee and they were talking about it and apparently transit's going to be free for the day and um, of course there's there's a special tran- transit that um, you can take if you have a disability, you know, that's offered. But uh, yeah, you got there this time. Yeah, so yeah, they don't, they used to have this, but I guess since the pandemic, they, mm-hmm. they don't and they, they, they had said that and again, maybe if I tried a different candidate or a different party, but I don't know if it would have made a difference at this point. They I said since it. the pandemic, they've, they've... If NDP wasn't offering them anymore, I bet. Yeah, so I wouldn't think so. And I'm not sure if it was just the pandemic, but they said, unless you're like, you know... Yeah, housebound. Housebound, and you can't leave your bed or whatever, then they can come to your house. But other than that, there's no other option. So, again, we talked about earlier about, about being blind, how you do have to pay a bit more attention, and you have to... It just takes a bit more effort. So it just was a nice convenience to get to the polls by that. So in this case, I did have to take an Uber, which... 
you know, I get people have to pay gas if they drive to go vote, but still it's cheaper than an Uber both ways. So it still doesn't, didn't seem quite right. And then I think mm-hmm. the fact is too, like, if it was a, a bit of a process to get there and I, I could figure it out on my own, I'm pretty good at looking stuff up with GPS and finding it, mm-hmm. but it's still an extra stress on top of it. And then when you get there, the whole voting process just still isn't, accessible. Well, it feels like the, the the people there who are the volunteers help. It's like, did they get any training on people with disabilities? I don't, it doesn't feel like it. Yeah. Often. It's just like when I came in there, it was like, I even asked, what I said, do you am, need? I, am what I the first you? blind person here today? And they said, yes. And you know, I get that of course there you are. aren't tons of blind people, but there still should be some in London. Like where, were there not, no other ones in London North Center? Did they not vote? I don't know. It just always makes me no, wonder. I'm sure. Um, so, you know, again, feel free to reach out at lookonradiowestern at gmail.com if, if you are blind and have any thoughts on voting or elections or, but also if you're not blind, to just be aware of this because, you know, they had something there, but all they had was a braille list of numbers. So some, someone there, a volunteer had to read out the names to me and then they have this folder that you, you put the, the print ballot in and it lines up with the holes beside each number of the candidate in braille, but it's just the numbers and you have to make sure it's lined up properly. And then I still had to double check to make sure I had the right one filled out that I wanted and still feels like you're going through someone else and it just doesn't feel independent or private enough mm-hmm. as voting should be. So something I got to keep talking about one of these days when I have the energy and, and uh, motivation, I'm going to try to contact an MPP and, and, and just mention this stuff because I just think sometimes people aren't aware of it. And mm-hmm. even even the AODA on their website, the Accessibility for Ontario's, Ontarians with Disabilities Act says, AODA standards require provincial or municipal elections in Ontario to be accessible. However... The third review, yeah, there's always a however. The third review of the AODA recommends the creation of standards mandating accessibility in provincial elections. Oh, sorry, I think I, I think I rushed that a bit. Um, Yeah, we're at the end of the show, so you're probably yeah, I'm I'm a little bit, uh, a little bit rushed. But anyway, they're pretty much they pretty much said on the on the website that it's recommended, but it's not officially accessible or doesn't need to be officially accessible. Um, Yeah. So it's a, it's a whole thing, you know, not enough people with disabilities are in politics or running in politics, and why is that? Mm-hmm. So there's so much to think about, and... Uh, yeah, I was going to get into that topic about, you know, you know, intersectionality and not enough diverse candidates and things, and why is that, but uh, another time. Right, oh yeah, it did, it did say, just, just to make sure I have that clear, it says currently no AODA standards require provincial or municipal elections in Ontario to be accessible. So... <sighs> There's no standards that require it to be for provincial or or municipal here in Ontario. Okay. Um, and I don't know why that is. In my opinion, it should be against the law to not be accessible for voting. It's It just doesn't make sense to me. So. Mm-hmm. But they think we roll over and put up with it. So. I don't know. I guess they, I still think there still is an assumption that, you know, you have someone sighted with you if you're blind always and they would help you out. Mm-hmm. But that's not the case. There's a lot, including myself, there's a lot of blind people who live on their own and don't have that. So. Hey, I wonder what Ralph Waldo Emerson would think about this. Oh, nice. Turning it back to our yeah. quote from the beginning here. I think that's all for today. I think we've covered yeah, a we've, lot. Yeah, we went a little bit, little bit over here today because we had so much to talk about. We hadn't done a mixed bag in a couple of months. We'd like to try to do these every month. So, And I'm sorry, it's Brian in charge of the <laughs> the board, so you wrap it up when you do it, not me. Yeah, well, the music plays for a few seconds. I can't even the... kick you under the desk. Come on, Brian. So. Yeah, all right. Well, Covered and got the voting in there just at the end, so that's good. And uh, yeah, we'll be back next week. Send us an email Outlook on radiowestern at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at OutlookCFB. 
and on Facebook, facebook.com slash Outlook on Radio Western. <laughs>